It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. When you give me the keys to your car, I now have authority over your car. When you give me the key to your house, I now have authority over your house. And Jesus says, I have keys to everything in the universe, including the worst things you could possibly imagine. Hades, hell, death. I even control that. I can control everything because I'm Jesus. That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth unfiltered to you. And now, here's Pastor Chad. Jesus is our priest. What does that mean? Jesus stands between me and the Father. Jesus says, Father, I know it's going to happen in Chad's life today. He needs some extra grace today. Jesus says, Father, will you give Chad some extra grace today? Give him some extra strength. Or he'll stand between me and the Father. He goes, okay, Father, I know Chad just asked for that. Don't answer that. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Don't answer that prayer. Here's what you need to do instead, Father. That's what a priest does. And in fact, we see this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says this. Look, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus is cold and unfeeling. No, he was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is this high priest that says, been there, know what you're going through, know what you're facing. I've been there, I've done that. I know how to intercede for you. I'm your high priest, I care about you. Jesus cares, number one. Number two, Jesus cleanses. Look at verse 14. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Verse 15, his feet were like fine brass. When you see white in the Bible, that's a symbol of purity. Feet like brass. Again, go back to the Old Testament. Did you know every article uh, in the temple and in the tabernacle that had anything to do with cleansing of sin was made of brass? What this is saying is Jesus is the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is the one that forgives us of our sins. Now here's like, oh, okay, yeah, Jesus forgives our sins. No, look, when you start to understand that when I got saved, you got saved, your sins passed present and future are forgiven. God doesn't condemn you. There is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We are righteous and pure in Christ Jesus. That liberates you to live the kind of life you're supposed to live. In fact, Dr. David Simmons, who was a famous uh, psychologist, summed up his career in this way. Talking about Christians, he said, the uh, most causes of emotional problems among Christians, okay, Most problems, emotional problems among Christians uh, boil down to this. Either the failure to receive God's grace and forgiveness or to extend that grace and forgiveness to other people. What what that's telling me is 
A lot of y'all are wrestling with a lot of problems because you don't understand that the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that you belong to him means you are covered in the purity and the righteousness of Jesus Christ and God doesn't condemn you. And if God doesn't condemn you, nobody else should condemn you because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ, he cares, he cleanses. Look at this, Jesus convicts, verse 14. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. Fire means judgment. And so the piercing eyes of Jesus has the ability to kind of cut through the outside and look on the outside and see what's really wrong with us. Church in America, we are doing no one any favors by having this message. I'm okay, you're, you're okay, judge not lest ye be judged. That's the American gospel right there. Jesus Christ said, no, I'm the good physician. Good physicians don't bring you into their office, tell you you're okay, knowing that you got cancer. No, here's what a good physician does. A good physician looks at you, diagnoses, says you got a problem and I got the solution. And Jesus Christ looks into my spirit and he said, Chad, you have a problem, it's called sin. I got the solution, it's called my precious blood. And Chad, I can forgive you of all of your sins because Jesus Christ convicts. You see that? Look at this. Jesus commands, look at verse 15, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I've never been to Niagara Falls. I've always wanted to go. And I was reading an explorer that explored it years and years ago, like centuries ago. And he said, Niagara Falls, when you were a mile away from Niagara Falls, you could have people talking to you and you couldn't even hear what they're saying. All you could hear was the sound of of Niagara Falls a mile away. And John is saying, Jesus' voice is like the sound of many waters. It's like Niagara Falls. Now, it's interesting, about 50% of Niagara Falls has now been diverted to run power plants. Did you know that? So there's only about 50% capacity as it was several hundred years ago. But at that time, surrounded by people, you can hear what they're saying. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of voices talking to y'all today. Marriage is this. No, marriage is that. Sin is this. No, sin is that. This lifestyle is okay. No, that lifestyle is okay. Believe this. Believe that. And I'm just telling you, there is the voice of mighty waters that drowns all those voices out. It's the voice of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And John says, I don't care about all these other voices. There's only one voice, and that's the voice of mighty waters, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And then look at this. Not only does Jesus care, Jesus cleanses, Jesus convicts, Jesus commands. Look at this. Jesus controls, verse 16. He had in his right hand seven stars. Now, we won't get into all this. The stars just symbolize the the, the church, Christians. Right hand in the Bible means power or authority. And the hand of God, particularly in the Old Testament, meant God's control. So here's what John is saying. The life of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we are in the mighty right hand of Jesus Christ, which means Jesus controls our life. Some of y'all think everything's spinning out of control. Everything is not spinning out of control. Why? Because I'm in the right hand of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus is in control. I've told y'all this before. 99.99999% of your anxiety problem is a theological problem. 
You don't think Jesus is really in control. No, because if I was in control, here's how I would run planet Earth. And since planet Earth is not going according to the plans that I think it ought to have, therefore, everything is spinning out of control. And I'm just telling you, Jesus Christ is either in control or he's not. When you start to realize you're not calling the shots, he is. You're not in control, he is. I'm just telling you, this piece that passes all understanding starts to take over. Bruce Larson was another famous counselor in Manhattan. And Larson said, uh, I've shared this with some of y'all before, Larson said that when people would come to me with anxiety issues to my counseling practice, he said, the first thing I'd ask them is this, um, are you a Christian? If they said, yeah, I'm a Christian, Bruce Larson said, then what I would say to them is, all right, let's, let's leave my office, let's just go for a walk. He said, I would take them down Fifth Avenue and right off of Fifth Avenue, there's this big giant statue of Atlas. You know who Atlas is? That Greek God that has the world on his shoulders. I've actually seen the statue before. And there's that statue. Atlas is there with planet Earth on his shoulders and he's straining and he's sweating trying to keep the earth up. And Larson said, I would tell my clients, you can live your life like that or, and he said, I'd take them across the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I've seen this before. Behind the high altar, there's a little statue of Jesus as a boy, and his hands are like this, and planet Earth is sitting in his hands. And he'd say, or you can live your life like that. Which one you want to live? Atlas trying to keep your whole world up, or Jesus holds my world. And John says, I look and I see this man with the seven stars in his right hand. Jesus is in control. And then let me give you one more as well. Jesus, number six, conquers. Jesus said in verse 16, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Sharp two-edged swords, these war swords in those days, those were the weapons of conquering armies. What Jesus is saying is, John, never forget, no matter how bad it gets on planet Earth, in the end, I conquer. I win. Now, all these things are beautiful, okay? Jesus cleanses, Jesus cares, Jesus, all that stuff is great. Can I tell you fundamentally what I think God is trying to say to John and John is now trying to say to us? Here it is. Jesus is God. Now you say, well, we're Christians. Well, we believe Jesus is God. We all let me pastor you for about five minutes right here because I got to deal with something right here in this church. I, I talked to a, a Baptist last week. I said, Baptist leader. I said, man, here's what I'm dealing with in my church. I said, y'all ever have to deal with that in the Baptist church? He said, no, it's just you crazy Pentecostals have to do this kind of stuff. And so, uh, I, look, I thank God for our Jewish roots. I love the Hebrew language. I love studying Judaism. But people are starting to go back into this Jewish roots movement. And I'll get a call like this. Here's what I'll get. Uh, Pastor, I was reading the Torah the other day, uh, praying to uh, Yeshua and, uh, you know, I felt that next Shabbat we ought to, and I was like, oh, God, here we go. It's coming. And it's a whole thing of pastor. We need to shut down our church on Sunday, go back to Saturday worship, have everybody wear a yarmulke, blow the shofar, make sure all you guys are circumcised. And that whole Jewish roots movement, here's the problem with that. Dr. Seth Postel, has, he's a Messianic Jew. He studied this. He said, here's a problem. Y'all Gentiles that try to go back to the, uh, back to the Jewish roots movement, he said, in Invariably, it tends to lead people toward doubting the divinity of Jesus Christ. I've had it in this church. Solid people 
who got sucked into this mess and now five years later, they don't believe Jesus is God. And John is being told by God, Jesus is God. I mean, it's all over the Bible. Look, somebody asked me about this. I said, you shared this in Cafe 242 a couple weeks ago. And I said, what was it? And they reminded me, I said, yeah. And y'all, some of y'all have heard me say this. When that person comes to your door and knocks and wants to talk to you about God, if they're not Southern Baptist or Pentecostal, nine times out of 10, they're part of the cult. And they will say, uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the Bible. Can we do a Bible study? And if you ask this question, let me ask you something. Do you believe Jesus is God? They will say, we don't believe Jesus is God. And then they'll say this, the Bible never says Jesus is God. And they know what you're going to say. Well, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And they will say, that's not what the original Greek says. And I remember I told y'all, the next time they tell you that, I want you to say, oh, I thought the original Greek said, I don't care how you slice it, the word is very clear, Jesus is God. And beloved, this is serious stuff. In fact, there's a story from the fourth century of an emperor named Emperor Theodosius. There was in the Eastern Roman Empire a debate going on. Are the Arians right that Jesus is not fully God? Or the Orthodox right, Jesus is fully God. And they asked the emperor, Emperor Theodosius, make a decision. We'll go with whatever you say. And so he kept going back and forth. The emperor would say, no, he's not God. Yeah, he is God. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. And so the day came where he was going to go into the arena and make his announcement. As emperor, I believe either Jesus is God or Jesus isn't God. And as he and his entourage are going into the arena, an old priest came up and started to goof off with the emperor's little son who was part of the entourage. Called him silly names. And the entourage was indignant. They said to that old priest, you can't do that. That little boy's the, the emperor's son. He must be treated with all the reverence of the emperor himself. Old man, whoever dishonors the son, dishonors the king, drag this priest away. And as that priest was being taken away, he said to that emperor, emperor, when you make that decision, you remember that. Whoever dishonors the son, dishonors the king. And when you say he is not God, he is not God in flesh, you have dishonored the son and you have also dishonored the king of the universe. And you see him as God in this passage. Look at verse 16. And his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. I see Jesus, his countenance is like the sun. Exodus 33 and 34, God's radiance shining like the sun in its strength. Psalm 104.2, God clothes himself in light. 1 Timothy 6.16, God dwells in unapproachable light. Jesus shining in this unapproachable light says he is God. Look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He falls at the feet of Jesus like a dead man. Matthew 2, 2 and 11, the wise men fell at his feet and worshiped Jesus. Matthew 14, 33, the disciples fell down and worshiped Jesus. Matthew 28, 9, post-resurrection, and they fell at the feet and worshiped Jesus. Remember a couple of years ago, there was a laughing revival. 
Well, people would say, I get in the presence of Jesus and I just fall over on my back and I just laugh hysterically. It was real popular. Some of y'all went to these places. I go to these revivals and I get in the presence of Jesus and I fall on my back laughing. Can I tell you something? In the Bible, when people came into the presence of God, they didn't fall on their back laughing. They fell on their face saying, woe is me, I'm undone. And then you see this, verse 17. But he, Jesus, laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid, I am, that's the name of God, did you know that? Yahweh, I am the First and the last. Did you know that phrase, the first and the last? It is used in the Old Testament to refer to Yahweh, to God. And now Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Isaiah 41, 4, Yahweh, God, is first and last. Isaiah 44, 6, God is the first and the last. Isaiah 48, 12, God is the first and the last. Revelation 1.11, and this is a textual variant, so you all can catch this if you've got the King James or New King James. Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Revelation 1.16-17, Jesus is called the first and the last. Revelation 2.8, Jesus is called the first and the last. Revelation 22.13, Jesus says, I am the first and the last. Seven times in the Bible, Yahweh, Jesus, is called the first and the last. That's significant. Because in the Jewish mind, seven is the number of perfection. Seven times in the Bible, Jesus, Yahweh, the first and the last. We call that the heptatic structure of the book of Revelation. So I like what Pastor Erwin Lutzer says. He says, when these people come to your door trying to share with you an unbiblical Jesus, he said, don't waste your time. Don't take two hours. He said, I used to do that. I used to take two hours and debate back and forth. Now I don't do that. They come to my door and I'll ask them this question before you say anything else. Do you worship Jesus? And the religious person at the door will say, no, I don't worship Jesus. And Erwin Lutzer said, well, why not? All of heaven does. And we're going to do that forever. And they said, where does it say heaven worships Jesus? And he says, I take them to Revelation 5.11 that says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And then he says this. He says, hey, look, let me get some. Since we're going to do this for all eternity, why don't you and I start right now? And Lutzer says, I will literally get on my knees and say, hey, join me. Let's just start worshiping the name of Jesus. And he says, I start praising the name of Jesus. And that, that person will start to leave. He starts to back away. And as they start to back away, I say to that person, remember, Philippians 2.10 says, one day every knee is going to bow in the presence of Jesus. That means Krishna, that means Buddha, that means Muhammad, that means Charles Taze Russell, the founder of your religion. So I urge you, give your life to Jesus before it's too late. He said, in about five minutes, I've done what it takes two hours for y'all to do, and that get that person off my doorstep, okay? So we worship Jesus. And then look at verse 18. Jesus says, I am He who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Keys, listen, that symbolizes authority. 
When you give me the keys to your car, I now have authority over your car. When you give me the key to your house, I now have authority over your house. And Jesus says, I have keys to everything in the universe, including the worst things you could possibly imagine. Hades, hell, death. I even control that. I can control everything because I'm Jesus. And beloved, I don't care how messed up this world gets, how hellicious this world gets, he is still in control because he's got the keys. Several years ago, I was on the Assemblies of God World Mission and part of our job was to interview potential missionaries. And uh, there were some missionaries that, uh, that folks talked about interviewing. It was a couple that had um, grown up in Romania. They escaped Romania. I guess it was during the Ceausescu administration. They had escaped Romania and, and the communists. And after several years, they felt led by God to go back to Romania as Assemblies of God missionaries. The wife was pregnant. She and her husband had to be a stowaway on a ship going back to Romania. It, it, horrible conditions. When they finally got off the ship, they walked miles and miles and miles to get to the border in the mountains in freezing rain. So imagine this. The lady's pregnant. They're walking in freezing rain. They don't know what lies ahead of them. They've been a stowaway on a ship for a couple of weeks. And when they finally got to the border, they're caught, they're arrested, and they're put in jail for three weeks. And somebody that was interviewing them said to them, it must have been horrible. You're pregnant, you're tired, you're worn out, it's raining, it's cold. It's got to be horrible. <laughs> and I like what the lady said. She said, you know, it really was not that bad. Because when the Lord's presence is with you, everywhere you go is good. When the Lord's presence is with you, everywhere you go is good. And in those three weeks, there was a demon-possessed girl in that prison that would keep everybody awake at night. She just screamed, screech all night long. Medication didn't work, nothing. She was demon-possessed. And this lady, the Simmons God missionary lady, her job was to scrub the floors for those three weeks. And one day, that demon-possessed girl joined her in scrubbing the floors. And she led that demon-possessed girl to Jesus, cast the demons out, and that girl began to witness to others about Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that phrase, when the Lord's presence is with you, everywhere you go is good. Now, I've told you before, my spiritual gift is not encouragement, so I can't encourage, it's going to get worse here on planet earth. Y'all do realize that, right? It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Well, then pastor, this is going to be a horrible place. No, it's not going to be a horrible place. Because God's presence is going to be with us. And wherever the presence of Jesus is, it's good. When you're brought back to that bankruptcy court and you don't know how it's all going to turn out, it's okay. Because Jesus' presence is going to be with you. And wherever the presence of the Lord is, it's good. When they roll you back into that operating room and you don't know if they're going to get all that cancer or not. When the Lord's presence is with you, everywhere you go is good. And some of you don't have that hope. As things get more and more challenging, you don't have the hope of Jesus Christ. I want you to do something. Would you stand with me right now? If you have never turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus, that is your only hope in these coming days. Jesus could come back today. 
Heaven is real. Hell is real. And Jesus is the only difference between the two. And so I've told you this before. Magical phrases, magic phrases don't save you. Jesus saves you. But if this kind of articulates what's going on in your heart, I want everybody to bow. And if you're not certain that you have eternal life and that you're going to heaven when you die, I want you to say this to Jesus. Say this to Jesus. Jesus, I am a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. (laughs) I'm not a good person. But Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. Say this to him. You paid the penalty for my sin. You were buried. And Jesus, I believe three days later, God raised you from the dead. Lord, you're alive right now. Now say this to Jesus. Lord, I turn away from my sin. I repent and I turn to you. Please take control of my life. Say that to him. Jesus, take control of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, beloved, how many of y'all believe he's alive? Hey, how many of you believe he's coming back? How many believe... His name is so powerful that when you say the name of Jesus, demons run in the other direction. Satan himself begins to shake and quake. Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. His name is power and might. Thank him for saving you. Thank him for putting up with you. Thank him that he has promised you he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. We bless your holy name, Jesus. And now to him who is able to do, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is a work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you, beloved. Go change this world for Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. I believe gathering together is an integral part of the life of a Christian. We're meant to live in community with others. What drew me to Cross Assembly is the community, the fellowship. I was eager to get that family feel and to have that moment of coming into church and just knowing these are my people, these are the people of God. And one way that I felt that at Cross was through groups. Being able to come here and feeling like that group of people, they were my people, they were my family. Groups are important because it is a way to learn how to be the church and not just go to church. It's one of those things that definitely makes you feel a sense of belonging, understanding that you're not alone. One of the most impactful semesters we've had has been a semester where almost everyone in our group was going through big life changes. There was sickness, loss of job. As one person shared, we prayed. Then another person was encouraged and they shared and we prayed. Throughout that semester, we saw God move in amazing ways. We have this saying that friends become family. That's what we've experienced through gathering together. You're finding people 
who are serious about their faith, who want to grow deeper, who also are looking out for you, like a church family supposed to look out for each other. My relationship with God has increased dramatically. Being connected to the group really allows people to challenge me. That general accountability for my prayer life and kind of checking that. My favorite aspect of groups is serving. Serving is really a chance to humble yourself. You're no longer focused inwardly. You're no longer focused on your life, your problems. You're focused on how can God use me to bless this other person. The more we can get together and align with the vision of building and sending out those Spirit-filled agents, the more our community will see the true love of Jesus. When you serve together with someone, it not only helps you to no longer be inward-focused, but it can also strengthen a bond between the friend that you're serving with because both of you are humbling yourselves in order to help someone else. It can create memories that you'll never forget. If you are not in a group, I strongly encourage you to be a part of the family. You don't want to miss these opportunities to grow together, to gather together, to fellowship, and to serve one another. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered. Unfiltered.